If you love Dale Jr., then Exalta Racing is your go-to social media account on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It brings you insider's info all weekend long on the 88 team. It's at Exalta Racing, a must-follow for any Dale Jr. fan. This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. I was happy for Dad after it was over and he had won, but I don't like to finish second. This is the Daytona 500, and thank God! It's an accomplishment that we'll not forget. There's a lot of satisfaction in winning the championship. Jeff Gordon out of turn number four. He will lay claim to his first ever Winston Cup victory, and it comes in the Coca-Cola 600. Rick Hendrick, I hope I'm with you for a long time. At the end of the day, you still want to see a lot of people in those stands. I am history. (laughs) Back in the day, with Steve Richards and Ron LeMasters. NASCAR history is a rich tapestry of speed, personality, and great racing. Here at Back in the Day, we celebrate that history by keeping it alive, just like Dale Earnhardt Jr. did on the original TV show. We'll take important dates, races, and trends in NASCAR and pass them along to you. Here comes Back in the Day from the Exalta Studio inside Junior Motorsports. When you think of Michigan, you think of two things lakes and detroit if you're a motorsports fan you think of michigan international speedway brooklyn michigan's an odd place for a racetrack despite its setting in the beautiful irish hills and if it weren't for us 12 you'd never get there but hundreds of thousands of race fans do it twice a year for nascar events just as they used to when mis was the hub of midwestern motorsports outside indianapolis the two-mile oval was the brainchild of lawrence lopayton a detroit developer with the visions of becoming the michigander branch of the france family He bought the 1,400-acre plot of land the Speedway occupies for around $5 million and built the track, which was quite the departure from the tracks of the day. It was a bowl-shaped two-mile oval banked 18 degrees. It was odd, but it worked. Charles Moneypenny, the same man who designed Daytona for Bill France Sr., did the design, and the legendary Sir Sterling Moss designed the road courses. I say road courses because there were two of them, or three depending on how you count. A 1.9-mile infield road course partnered a 1.9-mile outside course, and the two could be combined to form a 3.1-mile inside-outside course, if you follow all that. LePayton eventually ran out of money for his dream, but Roger Penske bought the track out of bankruptcy in 1973. The captain added 100,000 seats and spruced it up quite a bit. An International Speedway Corp bought MIS and the other Penske Speedways, California, Nazareth, and North Carolina, in 1999. Ronnie Bucknam won the first race on the new MIS on October 13, 1968. It was an IndyCar race, and the legendary Cale Yarbrough won the first NASCAR race there on June 15, 1969, after a thrilling side-by-side battle with Leroy Yarbrough. The track has been the site of a couple of victories by Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 2008 and 2012, both of which broke long winless streaks for the third-generation superstar. Let's check and see what was happening in the world in 1968. Drawn by the riddle of their strange behavior, Captain Cousteau and the Calypso divers will follow the spiny lobsters on an incredible journey across the ocean floor. Jacques Cousteau's first undersea TV special was broadcast on network TV in the United States. Death reaped an awesome harvest in 1968. Senator Robert Francis Kennedy died at 1.44 a.m. today, June 6, 1968. Dr. Martin Luther King, the apostle of nonviolence in the civil rights movement, has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. 
Literary giant John Steinbeck traveled down Cannery Row and past East of Eden, and Helen Keller's courageous fight came to an end. Yes, I'll admit that I'm a fool for you. Johnny Cash married June Carter because you're mine. I walk the line. And immediately began to walk the line. Among those born in 1968 were singer Celine Dion, the fresh prince, Will Smith, and Xena, Warrior Princess star, Lucy Lawless. That brings us to our topics for today, Michigan International Speedway and its place in the NASCAR universe. Seeing as that's close to Detroit, our second topic is NASCAR drivers and their first cars. Steve Richards, longtime broadcaster, pit reporter for the Performance Racing Network, and the producer of Back in the Day. Steve, we have double topics this week. Are you ready? I'm absolutely ready. I've been looking forward to this one. Me too, since it was your idea. Well, you know, (laughs) I love talking about first cars and what's your first car, whatever happened to it, and that sort of thing. And Michigan, of course, is a very, well, it's kind of a unique racetrack. You know, Fontana's pretty much the same, but it seems like we have more passing at Michigan. seems like there's more ways to pass so many uh, grooves to choose from well it's wider you can if your car's tight you can go to the top if it's loose you can go to the bottom mm-hmm. or however that works um and you can just find a place where your car feels comfortable understeer oversteer understeer yeah. oversteer yeah. you know trailing throttle oversteer <laughs> how many times did you listen to jackie stewart say that during the you know but it is unique and and it's really for where it's built and where it's right outside i say right outside it's 60 miles from detroit mm-hmm. but the manufacturers, that's like you're having that race right in the middle of the Renaissance Center. Well, it's like winning at Charlotte is so important because all the teams are here. Winning at Detroit, at Michigan, is important because the manufacturers are there for right. the most part. And, and you know, that, that's bragging rights, and it's it's uh, big money bragging rights. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I got to spend a lot of time at Michigan growing up because it was close to us, mm-hmm. where I grew up. I watched both IndyCars there, NASCAR, USAC stock cars there right you know it's a great place because indy cars can i mean if you've never seen indy cars race there it is it's like slot cars man they go so fast really and i even remember chip ganassi team owner chip ganassi uh-huh. who used to be an indy car driver flipping pell-mell down the backstretch with poncho carter oh wow it, he was he was not hurt badly he was mm-hmm. hurt but he wasn't hurt badly mm-hmm. and uh you know he he was a pretty good racer back in his day right right um the thing I remember most about that is it took three and a half hours to drive there. And when you're when you're less than 10 years old, three and a half hours is an eternity. Mm-hmm. So we get there and we're all fidgety and rambunctious. You know, we could see from from our seats. We, we sat high up in the in the turn one stands, not the not the main stand um, at the top of the bleachers. I mean, you could stand up the whole race if you wanted to. And we did. But my parents didn't trust us. Smart parents they were they attached our belts to the railing of the stand so we would not fall to our death down below <laughs> they, they were seriously scared they, well you know hey weirder things have happened wow but and you know but the, i mean we were used to going to indianapolis but that was you know we weren't sitting up at the top mm-hmm. but it was I mean, it's a really great place to go watch a race dale earnhardt jr of course uh, we talked about him has, has had some really good moments at michigan he won in 2008 and again in 2012, both times uh, breaking losing streaks. And uh, the first time in 2008, it was a fuel mileage race. Right. And crew chief Tony Urey Jr. and Dale Jr. played the fuel mileage game. And afterwards in the media center talked about that. He told me with 20 to go, there's guys behind us that are going to make it. And you're going to get beat by them if you pit. 
And uh, if we go for it, we go for it. If we run out, we're going to finish 25th. If we pit, we're going to finish 25th. Uh, so go for it. You know, so I started saving gas, and uh, I was like, all right, cool, man, no problem, no pressure. Just save fuel. If we don't win, we don't win, no big deal. Because we run good all day, and I was satisfied with the showing that I'd put up all day. Looking at finishes just on a sheet of paper, you never really see the truth about how good a team is. And so I was pretty much content, and I didn't have really any nerves. I wasn't nervous at all. I'm always nervous in those situations, but I really wasn't for some reason. And uh, Jamie came, and I told Tony Jr., I said, am I supposed to race Jamie? Or am I supposed to let Jamie go and keep saving fuel? I was only running about a quarter throttle down the straightaways. He's like, oh, I don't know, 10-4. <laughs> I'm like, 10-4, what the hell does that mean? You know? <laughs> he didn't have an answer. He's like, I don't know what to tell you, man. You just, he's, you're, I said, well, who's leading? Because they took the freaking scoreboard down in turn one, so you can't never see who's leading. I can't read that thing in the middle. <laughs> and uh, he said, you're leading. I'm like, oh, well, I should probably try to win because there's five to go or four to go. So I passed Jamie back. And then I started saving and Jamie passed me back. And then I'm like, well, dang, are we saving or are we racing? Because Jamie would get out in front and start saving gas. And so I'd pass him back. So it was really comical, actually. It looked like we were racing, but we were just pedaling by each other, both about half, half to quarters rattle. <laughs> It probably looked like we was racing hard on TV, but I'm like, I'm gonna, I'll mash it three eighths this straightaway and go by you. And he's like, I'm only mashing a quarter. Then we'll go down the next straightaway. He's like, well, I'll mash it three eighths and go by you. And I'm like, well, I'm just mashing it a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to make it to the end, man. We're gonna run out both doing this. But uh, it was funny. But I was when the cops come out, I was dejected, of course. But it is what it is. We got to try, and we've been beat so many times like this. It feels really good to do it. <laughs> And, of course, Jamie McMurray. Right. And, and you know, look, you really can't tell from the stands who's doing what. Right. But you can, you know, if you're sitting there comparing lap times, you can. Right at that point in his career, he just needed the win. That was it. He needed to get off the schneid, get onto the winning track with Hendrick, and he just he absolutely had to go. Yeah, his first points win for a Hendrick Motorsports. Right. And, you know, after all the stuff that went before that, why he left DEI, why all this happened, why he went to Hendrick, it was a great move. But, you know, hey – you have to earn it, you know, and he fe- I, I don't think he felt like he had until then. During the post-race press conference, Rick Hendrick was asked, is Junior off his employee probationary period? It was our own probation. You know Everybody's the f- job don't start like that, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. That must have been just you. <laughs> I can't remember what race it was he told me. He said, I just hope I get to keep my job. And I thought he was just playing with me, and then I looked at him and said, are you serious? And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I said, I think you're in good shape. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and really, right there, that whole little segment there, that kind of tells you exactly why I think Dale Jr. is a fan favorite. It's not because his name's Earnhardt, although that doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. But it's because, you know, when I got punked on 360 this week, I seriously thought for a couple seconds, this is how people get fired. (laughs) I'm going to lose my job. Right, right, right. Okay, now, and and I'm sure that working people everywhere have had that same, I'm going to get fired. Am mm-hmm. I going to lose my job? Am I not doing what I'm supposed to? Mm-hmm. And I think that endears him in a way to a vast number of people. And, and I think that's really cool about him. And Rick Hendrick knows when when to mash that button and when not to mash that button, too. And then he won in 2012, and Junior said afterward that he could see the fans going crazy. I come off of turn four for the checkered, and they were pretty excited all the way down the front straightaway. And uh, I felt good for them because they had my fans had – Went through a lot to uh, stay dedicated, and they stayed loyal, and they wondered why we weren't competitive. You know, there were a couple, two or three years ago where we were far from competitive. I was as a driver, 
and uh, they wanted to know why we weren't competitive, and they wondered what was missing, but they never doubted me, and they never gave up. And so I know there's a lot of people that were happy today. I could tell, you know, I felt the fan base, you know, I felt the, the excitement and emotion from them immediately, almost immediately. As soon as I got out of the car, I was, that was my initial thoughts, was about how many people were in their living rooms screaming at the top of their lungs and or running out in the yard or whatever they do, you know. <laughs> I uh, I just wish I could see it all at once. You know, that was the one thing that I kept thinking about. It did the same thing again. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was what uh, four years in between. Yeah, and and you know he was running not well. I mean he was competitive, but nothing ever seemed to work right. Right. Um. You know, and in 2012, I think that wasn't that the year that he had the first crash where he you know got a concussion from. It was 2012 or maybe it was 2013. I can't remember what it, right around in there somewhere, mm-hmm. but um, you know, and that's that's the downside of racing at Michigan because you do have so many options, and you can hurt yourself because you're going pretty hard. Well, look at Ernie Irvin, exactly, and Clifford Allison, Clifford of course, Allison. lost his life there. Yeah, yeah, and you know, look, Michigan is not a place to be fooled around, and I'll tell you part of the reason why they changed a little bit of the layout of Michigan was to keep cars from hitting head on. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, you're just you cut a tire in the middle of a corner, you are going to hit something and hit it very hard. Mm-hmm. And if your angle is bad, that can really mess you up, just like it did to Ernie mm-hmm. and to Clifford. Now, so. Junior also said he was excited because Hendrick Motorsports, you know, before he won this race, they had instituted the victory bell, and Junior said it was a relief because he finally gets to ring the victory bell. That's right. We got this victory bell that will that I get to take around for the first time <laughs> since right. we built it. And ring the hell out of it all mm-hmm. over the all over the complex. I'm gonna ring that damn thing as hard as I can. <laughs> well, we still have that tradition here at Junior Motorsports. Yes, we do. And yeah. uh, it's usually accompanied by an adult beverage or so. Yeah, yeah. And uh, no, it's the middle of the workday, so nobody drinks to excess. But, right, right. But we have Papa Colwyn hoist it up, ring the bell, go back to work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's usually a pretty good day after that. <laughs> Ringing the bell is always good. That's right. Well, new this week. We're going to have a mini topic, a or a mi- second topic. Mini topic. Mini topic, yes. In honor of talking about Michigan, which is near the Motor City, we thought we'd like to know what first cars NASCAR drivers had when they were growing up. Yeah, and whatever happened to them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What was your first car? 1971 Camaro. Ooh. Uh, my father found it stuffed in a basement. Up in Western Maryland. In a basement? Yeah. I mean, it was in great condition, but he he, he parked it in a basement. And uh, he had a garage and a basement, I guess, combo. And he I was going to say, d- drive-in garage? Yeah, drive-in they, basement? yeah, they weren't driving it. Yeah. And uh, 1500 bucks. Wow. For a Camaro Sport Coupe. And uh, let's see, I drove that thing from 77 to 83 and then parted it out in 1983. Lime green with a black vinyl roof and black interior with air conditioning. With air conditioning. With AC. Yeah. Yep. It was a, more of a comfort car than a Z20. It wasn't a Z28 or an RS or an SS or anything like that. And um, all the parts sold in 1983 except for the deck lid, the trunk lid for, mm-hmm. for you and me, uh, <laughs> and the rear bumper. And I kept those. Really? You I still fig- have them? I, I figure, well, about 20 years ago, I found a car just like it. It's a 72, same body style. Couldn't find a 71 the way I had it my first car, Sport Coupe. Found a 72 in South Carolina on eBay Motors. Really? Lime green, black vinyl roof. Could not believe it. Wow. Bought it, 
and those parts are on my 72. Wow. For my first car. So I still have a piece of my first car. Wow. I wish I had the whole thing, but yes. just didn't have the money or the mechanical know-how, and it was rusting out and breaking down, and so right. it, it was uh, parted out. And another interesting fact, a couple of people bought parts for my first car to use on their Camaros. Mm-hmm. They were in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Wow. Remember the second Johnstown flood? Yes. It took out one of those, one cars. Of those cars. Yeah. You remember the really famous part about the Johnstown flood besides the actual flood? Mm. Back in those days, the uh, the reporters would file by either teletype or they would uh, telegram. Mm-hmm. They would send it back to Western Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, a reporter from a paper, who's, I can't remember the paper, but uh, God sat and watched Johnstown, Pennsylvania float away. Yeah. And the editor said, stop, interview God. <laughs> it's a rather famous one I learned in journalism class oh, from a guy wow. who was actually there, I think. He was that old. Oh, wow. No, his name was Blackie Wellnitz. He he was a professor at Ball State University, and uh-huh. he was he was of that era. Wow! So that was interesting. That is interesting. What was your first car? My first car was a 1968 GMC pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked about air conditioning. I didn't have air conditioning. Well, yes, I did because there was there were hardly the body panels were not fully <laughs> composed. It was it was. Uh, you had holes. It in was the body? manual air conditioning. Oh uh, yes, that 555. Yes. No, no, the 255. It was a, yeah. it was a six two, cylinder. Two windows down, 55 miles. Exactly. Hour. Yeah. It was a six cylinder. It had been used to haul grain to and from the farm uh-huh. to the silo. Right. And back. It had granny low and three on the floor. The shifter knob was as long as my first driver right. from my golf clubs. <laughs> uh, it had no heater. And uh-huh. I, again, I lived in Indiana. Winters are fairly harsh. Mm-hmm. My father. Uh, uh, ingenious mechanic that he was bought a length of radiator hose and hooked up the blower. I had a toggle switch on the uh, on the dash, and a circle about a foot and a half around. I drove through that for most of the winter. So, what what type of truck was it? Was it GM? GMC? GMC. That was mm-hmm. the MacGyver version. Yes, it was, <laughs> and it was a great downhill with a tailwind. It could probably get seventy miles an hour, and it got eight gallons to the mile. What color was it? Light blue. Okay, and rust. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. And it, it's funny too because it was the first car I'd ever owned. Right. All right. The paint was oxidized. Uh-huh. I spent hours rubbing on that paint and trying to make it look cool. Didn't touch anything past what I could see in front of me. The rear end was, I mean, it just rusty and chipped and everything else. And so, whatever happened to it? It was sold to the janitor uh-huh. at the elementary school I attended. Right. And until the day I left home in 1989, it. I would see it every day. Oh, wow. I am pretty sure it has gone to the great uh, automobile recycle center in the sky. It's probably a coffee table yeah, somewhere. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or a uh, you know a shelf stand or whatever. Uh-huh. But it was a great deal. And it, it uh, I hit everything in there. I swear to goodness. There's a, um, there's a grocery store in my hometown, Wise Supermarket. Mm-hmm. There's one light pole in the parking lot. And you hit it? And I hit it. <laughs> Congratulations. I was in a hurry. I was late to class at Ball State. I was trying to get my check cash so I could put gas in the car and center punched it mm. at about 20 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. All it did was bust my lip and throw the battery out of its cradle into the engine bay. Oh, man. Didn't even bend the bumper. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that was a perfect car for me. I'm telling you. And my first car was almost a 63 Galaxy 500. Oh, man. A that would four- been cool. A four-door battleship gray. Wow. 
my neighbors, I wanted a car. I was, I was, had just gotten my license. My mm-hmm. parents would not buy me a car. I had to earn it. Well, I didn't have enough money to buy a car, and who knows how long that would take to earn it. So I talked my parents into, into taking a look at this car. My One of our neighbors had that particular car for sale for $95. Wow. $95. This was early 70s, mm-hmm. and this car was a 63 four-door. So I talked my dad into at least having it checked over. Took it down to uh, our mechanic, and they found a cracked cylinder head. Oh, no. And so that was the end of that. Which would have been $95 to begin with. Yeah, at least. So that was the end of uh, end of that, and and eventually my first car became the Camaro. Well, actually, I think that, you know, being, being a GM guy, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> at any rate, uh, some yeah. of the drivers I've talked to over the years told their stories about their first cars. I can't wait to hear them. And you haven't heard any of these, really. No, I've not heard you, any. You might have heard one. Yeah. Might have heard one. But here's what Jimmy Johnson had to tell us about his first car. I bought a, and again, I was racing, so and I was always working summer jobs, so I'd saved up my money. When, right when I turned 15, I found this little pickup truck that I wanted and bought it and stared at it for like eight months. It sat in our driveway, and I couldn't drive it. But I had it, and I'd go out there and wash it and wax it all the time and bought wheels and tires for it and just kept working and saving up my money. But I had a 1986 Ford Ranger pickup truck, my first first car. Yeah, he had a pickup truck, too. He's a pickup man. Yeah, I'm sure his pickup truck was a lot better than mine. Well, you don't know. I mean, these guys, back in the day, they didn't have any money. No, but but his dad was a mechanic. Well, so was mine, but you know we, we weren't doing any body work, I'll tell you that much. All right. Well, here's what Martin Truex had to say about his first car. It was actually a Jeep. Uh, I got it when I was about 16 and a half from my dad. We, it was kind of like our hunting woods Jeep, you know, it was kind of an old beater. And I got it about a year before I got my license and took it all apart and rebuilt the whole thing. And I've still got it. It's at my parents' house in New Jersey still. Yeah. So you didn't wreck it or blow it up? No. Well, I did blow it up once, but I put a different engine in it, and it's got 40-inch tires on it and all that. We used to go play out in the woods and go through the mud and everything. So had a lot of fun doing that, and uh, I'm actually – getting ready to buy or build a, a shop and when i get my shop i'm going to bring it down here and restore it and make it all like it was what year is it it's an 86 there was a lot of times i'd go out and break parts and have to walk a couple miles home <laughs> his shop's down the street now right and uh, i've seen that because uh i did a couple things for him as a pr guy uh-huh. last year he took it to charlotte with him uh-huh and it was uh it was a quite a big topic of uh of discussion wow it's really nice uh-huh, uh-huh. and it beats the heck out of my 1960 how about Jeez. Kurt Busch? Kurt Busch. What I'm would gonna, you guess? Um, I'm thinking something small. Okay. You, like maybe a Volkswagen Beetle? You heard this one. I did. Yeah, this, this is a good one. <laughs> this is a good one. First car I ever owned, a 1964 Volkswagen Bug. We bought it for 500 bucks, tricked it up, and uh, I still have it. Still in my garage, and I drove it to the Charlotte Coca-Cola 600 this year. Fuel pump went out on the way home, so it made even a rougher day rough. I actually limped it to the front um, parking area in my in my subdivision, and I walked home and just left it there for a day, and then went and got a fuel pump, put it in, and drove it in. You couldn't push a Volkswagen bug. It's uphill to my house. <laughs> now it was 11 years ago. Yeah. See, I had a Volkswagen bug. That was my second car. Mm-hmm. And it had an annoying habit of shooting spark plugs out of the block. <laughs> Which, you know, I thought was a muffler problem because I was clueless and I was in a hurry. Right. And it, it sounds like I'm doing a drive-by shooting, you know, because <laughs> it, it was very loud. The combustion chamber was open. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll never forget it, too. I was putting gas in it one night, and that happened. And uh, a young lady, this was in Muncie, near Ball State. Mm-hmm. So this young lady college student walks over, and she goes, 
you do realize what's happening, don't you? I said, no, ma'am, I haven't a clue, but I'm late for a ball game and I got to go. She goes, you've just shot two spark plugs out of, out of the four that you have. Because <laughs> uh, she pointed at them and they were down in the, in the bottom of the uh, engine to sell. So right. it was really funny. How about Jeff Gordon? What do you think Jeff's first car was? A Vega. A Vega? Yeah, let's find out. I had a, uh, a 1980 Chevy Stepside pickup truck that was just a piece of junk that uh, was about to rust away that me and my dad, you know, fixed up. And it was a little project we had that it was it was fun. Um, never really fully completed it because uh, it had just a straight six with a column shifter on. We were going to put a, a V8 in there and put some power in it, which is probably a good thing we didn't do that. Um, but I don't know. You know, my dad kind of knows where it is. Uh, we sold it, and and uh, I think somebody stays in touch with him and says they still have it. Do you ever want it back? Just for just for fun? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. After that, I bought a brand-new step, uh, Chevy step, uh, Stepside pickup truck. That, uh, that was a cool truck. I wouldn't mind having that truck back, and I have no idea where that thing is. <laughs> well, you know, the trucks are good because you can haul stuff in them you can do other things in them mm-hmm. and it's uh you know they're fairly cheap when you think about it yeah but i've seen jeff's car collection the porsches and uh right the other stuff and i'm sure he's got a maybach or something or other yeah that uh, but you know i mean look we are the last i think your generation and mine mm-hmm. are well it's the same generation but just segments of it the last real car people yeah, the younger people nowadays don't really care much as much about older cars and classics and things like that. But that new iPhone, or, or, by golly. Or cars to begin with, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know. It's changing. Yeah. Uh, Boris said was one of the best <laughs> road course drivers, you know, for years. Yes. And uh, great personality, great guy. His first car, very, very interesting story. A Fiat 124 Sport. About 350 bucks I paid for it, and I bought it when I was 15 years old, and it sat rotten in my driveway till I was 16 and could drive it, but that was my first car. So you bought it before you could drive it? Yeah, put a bunch of Bondo on it in my driveway for eight months, and then, then as soon as the day I turned 16, I got my license and was driving until it broke in half because it was so rotted about six months later. <laughs> so it was like stale bread? <laughs> it was like stale bread. I don't, I don't think there was ever a great Fiat made, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, your first car is just uh, something I waited for my whole life. Whatever happened to it? Oh, I think it, it's probably turned to fertilizer. <laughs> I remember one time I put it on a, on a, I worked in a gas station. I put it on a lift to put a clutch in it. When I lifted the car up, it pretty much broke in half. <laughs> and that was the end of it. <laughs> now that is a quintessential Boris said story. Isn't that great? Well, Boris can drive anything. I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. And But a Fiat 124, it's about, it's about as big as your watch. Yeah. You know, yeah. My dad was always fond of MGs. Well, and those Fiats. I mean, Boris is a tall guy. Yeah, how did he fit in that thing? Uh, I'm I'm assuming it was a convertible. Oh, obviously. (laughs) I just wore a bug screen. That's all. Yeah, yeah. But you know, small car. There's something to be said about small cars. I I I like American Iron just as much as anybody. But you know, I'm not I'm not a big small car guy though. No, I I my dad had MG midgets, Mm -hmm. and you know what MG stands for? Uh. Mostly garage. <laughs> well, uh, we all know what Fiat stands yes. for. So. Uh, no, but fix it again, Tony. Yeah, fix it again. Tony. <laughs> fix it again, Tony. <laughs> they, uh, but there is. It's really kind of cool because you know it's different from everybody else. Everybody else, you know, Camaro, Trans Am. I'd have killed for one of those. Yeah, I always liked. I always liked the AMC Javelin. Yeah, it was a cool car. My uncle had a '69 uh, AMX. That would be really cool because uh, I would like to get one of the. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to buy one. And you work for Tony Stewart. Yes. 
and uh, Tony talks about his first car. Oh, I had a 1979 Plymouth Volari with a slant six in it with wore out front shocks on it. So uh, it was used as a mail car out in the country where they drive from the right side and all that. So uh, it uh, it would, on a trip to see my girlfriend from Columbus to Terre Haute at Indiana State University, it would take one, one quart of oil between the, the whole round trip. So uh, but it was it was a good car. I mean, it, it did me right. I never got stranded on the road or anything with it. And uh, some guy in Greensburg, Indiana, bought it and actually lived in it for a little while, which <laughs> basically made me decide that I would never ever buy that car back again. But uh, it, I was I was kind of happy to get rid of it, and uh, you know, it, it was a good. But it was a great first car. It was very reliable. Uh, first time a Dodge has been referred to as reliable lately. <laughs> um, I, I kid. I lo- I'm a big fan of the Mopar muscle cars. I love Mopar. There's there's a number of Chrysler Plymouth vehicles that I really. My dad had a '66 Valiant. Really, Plymouth Valiant. I oh. found I found a picture of it mm-hmm. in an old Polaroid Land camera. Wow. That my parents had in the attic, <laughs> and I opened it up, and I, I have the camera. I took it home just for just for fun, just for decoration. Opened it up, and there's the picture of the Valiant. Wow. That what my color? dad took. It was uh, sky blue. Light, sky blue. Light blue. Yeah, three on the tree. That's when I learned how to drive a stick. I learned how to drive three on the tree. See, that I could never get that. I really couldn't. Now, I can do I could do the, the long on the floor, but mm-hmm. it was three on the tree just because I wasn't used to – I was used to going this way instead of this way, and I always try to push it up, and I, I almost broke it off. Yeah. Um, the one time I tried, <laughs> right, right. My my cousin didn't let me drive his Ford, whatever it was, at that point. All right, Carl Edwards. What do you think his first car was? Huh. I don't remember what he said. Trans Am. Nah, I don't think any of these guys were that uh, had that much money that they could buy something that cool. Probably not a Chevette. No, I, I'm thinking a pickup truck, but I don't I don't remember yeah. the sound bite. Right. All right. Here's here's Carl. My first car was a 1987 Ford Ranger. It was really cool. We painted it. I got it about six months before I got my license, and so I had to just like stare at it and go sit in it, you know. And that's like hell for a little kid, you know, just staring at the vehicle you're gonna be able to drive. But um, I don't know what's happened to that truck, man. Uh, that was a good truck. I was right. Well, you were, and I'm I'm starting to sense a pattern. Here. A Ford Ranger pickup truck or mm-hmm. a Chevy pickup truck? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Step side. They're, they're affordable. Mm-hmm. You know, they're cool. Mm-hmm. You can do stuff in them you can't do in a car. Yeah, that's true. Go mudding. Yeah, yeah. Other things. Yeah, yeah. Other things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jamie McMurray, his first car was? My first car was a 1986 Ford Ranger XLT pickup. It was red and silver. Yeah. And uh, I didn't necessarily want it, but my dad wanted me to want it. So that's what I got because he was paying the bills. So um, I don't know what happened to it. I traded it in on, a, on another car a couple of years later. What do you want to bet it was the cleanest car inside ever? I bet it was. <laughs> Jamie's a bit of a germaphobe. Yes, if you don't know Jamie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Brad Kozlowski, he's up next. I'm guessing something with a pushed-in front end. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's just a poke at Kozlowski. I'm thinking... Um, I don't remember. A Dodge truck. Dodge truck? Hmm. Well, he grew up in Michigan. Mm-hmm. So let's find out. You know, I've never owned my own car my whole life. Really? Never owned my own car. I've always borrowed somebody else's car or got a ride from someone else. Uh, here I am, I'm 23 years old, and there were three or four years where I didn't have a car where I just rode with other people. Just trying to save money so I could go race. So that was the main reason? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Always trying to save money and spend it somewhere else on a race car. Or a, you know, I had trailers. Uh, but, you know, I'd always borrow a buddy's truck to tow him with or something like that. Just funny how that always worked out. 
did you ever want your own car or just practical about well, it? Well, I've had vehicles that people have given to me to drive, but nothing I've ever owned. So uh, there were times when they took them back when I wanted my own vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> but you kind of get used to it. Over time, as you're in racing, you get around so many different vehicles, race cars, trailers, tractors, that uh, you know you start to get desensitized to you know cars and having your own. So obviously you have one now. Uh, yeah, I drive a beautiful red Chevrolet Silverado, which I love. I drive it every day, and uh, it's a great vehicle. Now, was was that the first vehicle you bought? No, I didn't buy it. Uh, Chevrolet provided it for me for being right. a part of Junior Motorsports. Sure. And uh, they put the biggest, baddest motor they had in it and uh, gave me a nice package on it, and I love it. So you still haven't purchased your own vehicle? No. Nope. <laughs> I'm still, uh, still alone. That was back in 2008. Good Lord. I work at Junior Motorsports, and I didn't get a nice Chevy truck. Yeah, but you're not a driver. That's, yeah, <laughs> story of my life right there. Right there. Well, I, that is interesting because, you know, uh, um, and again, that goes back to what we were talking about, the car culture. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, he grew up in Michigan. Yeah, he's a racer, and he's obviously immersed in cars. But I remember I turned 16 in 1981, mm-hmm. and I could not wait to get on the road. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not like today, because I just put my oldest daughter, Jordan, on the road. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have her own car yet. She hot swaps with us. But she doesn't really care what kind of car it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, my father and my mother put me out on the road. I got my license. I'd never driven the truck before, except around the school at five miles an hour. Was that the first vehicle you drove? Yes. Well, no. I mean, we had a Delta 88 that my mother let us practice well, on see the there, school. We, yeah. See, we had a 66 Pontiac Catalina station wagon. Right. I and love that, that car. Boy, give you 40 acres and you'll turn that rig around. Hey, I had to take a driver's test. In okay? that parallel no, park well, it? No, see, I, I practiced parallel parking in front of our house with right. a Catalina. Uh-huh. My mother had this great idea. I have a friend who has this Chevy Nova. Oh. Okay? So why don't you use the Nova to take your driver's test? Right. And they have, a, they have you have to parallel park in this driver's test. Mm-hmm. And uh, it happened to be in the shopping center across from our neighborhood where the DMV was. So I drive this Nova over there to take my driver's test. I couldn't park it. <laughs> I could not park the Nova. Oh, my goodness. I could park the wagon, but right. not the Nova. The guy passed me anyway. He says, yeah, you, you know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Good guy. I'll tell you what. Um, I got busted for speeding on my driver's test. What? Back when they had 55 miles an hour, I went 56 for about a quarter of a mile, and he flunked me. <laughs> a one mile over? But. He's worse than a state trooper. Well, now, here's where the story, the plot thickens. Uh-huh. We got back in, and I'm just really upset. Right. Because the, the guy was being a jerk. I mean, seriously. Now, I go in there, and John Harper, who was a ver- is a very nice guy, state trooper, happened to be in there. He said, what's wrong with you? I said, Skippy here just failed me because <laughs> I went 56 miles an hour on my driver's test for about a quarter mile. Uh-huh. He says, hang on. Uh-huh. I passed. <laughs> so, John John was a great guy. Loved him to death. He recently passed away, so mm-hmm. I, I feel bad for him. I miss him a lot. He's a great guy. Yeah. Well, we've got a couple more. Just couple a few more. more to wrap it up. Right. Matt Kenseth is next. His first car. My first car was a 82 Honda Accord. No, really? I didn't have any money. It was actually my sister's, and it didn't run, and she had a bunch of problems. So I uh, worked on it for a few weeks and got it running, and uh, my dad told me I could have that for my first car. Nice. <laughs> a, Honda, the a Honda Accord. Well, yeah, he's, he's not all that old. Yeah, yeah. So, How about Denny Hamlin? What do you think? Um, I don't remember this. This was this was recorded back in two thousand six, so I don't really remember it. I 
I, 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 I see him as a pickup guy. Pick. I'm saying. I'm thinking Toyota pickup. Okay. Well, let's see. Here's Denny. My first car was a '95 Ford Ranger that I got from my brother. It was a Ford Ranger Splash, and I remember getting it when I was about 15 and a half years old, and it just sat there and sat there and sat there. And when my parents were away at work, of course, when I got home, I'd drive up and down the driveway and then have to drive in reverse to, you know, do the old Ferris wheel or try to get the odometer to go backwards and it never worked. But he always noticed that I would drive it up and down the driveway, which he had never a problem with that. But I just could not wait to get in that vehicle and drive. And I remember getting a lot of wrecks my very first year as a driver. I think a lot of it was because I have a tough time keeping my attention in one place. So whatever happened to that truck? That truck actually, I had uh, in a lot of shows. It was actually in many truck and magazine because I'd, I'd fixed it up. I'd lowered it and put wheels on it and airbags. And you know, I was kind of in that phase when I was about 16, 17 years old. And um, finally, that thing got me too many tickets. You know, ultra suspension tickets and you know all these illegal parts and everything on it that I had to get rid of it and uh, you know just drive something stock around. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you've got the wherewithal to do that, mm-hmm. you're gonna get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine used to have a, uh, what was it? Oh, a 280Z. Oh, yeah. And My dad had one of those. Wonderful car. Yeah. Um, lost on him because he didn't know how to drive it. Yeah. It was a, ma- it was a manual. Dad had a 280, a 1980-280Z. Wow. Japanese steel. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it, it rusted. Mm-hmm. Dad sold it to a, guy, a local guy who was going to restore it. They just rusted into the ground. Right. I still have a few pictures of it. Thank goodness. That's uh, that's I that's horrible. I mean, and we live in North Carolina now, where they don't use salt on the roads. Mm-hmm. Now brine, it, brine. They use well, it's sort of salt. Yeah. But I mean, it's not it's not rock salt like I was used to. Yeah. We had cinders. Cinders. They put cin- coal cinders down in, we- in western would, Western Maryland. Yeah. That wouldn't be too bad. Uh, yeah. Well, they they had salt too. They had yeah. salt as well. Right. And sand. And sand. Well, yeah, more salt and cinders mm-hmm. than sand. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Got two more. Okay, let's go. All right, Jeff Burton. I'm going to guess a Ford Ranger pickup. No, no. <laughs> Jeff Burton probably had the coolest car as a first car of all the guys. A Studebaker. No. What? No. Here's what Jeff had. First car I ever owned was a 57 Chevrolet. Wow. I wrecked it. Uh, I wrecked it bad, and actually uh, somebody bought it and fixed it, and uh, my wife wants to find it and buy it from, try to buy it from whoever has it, but we can't find it. So it was a 57 Chevrolet, and I destroyed it in front of my grandmother's house. Took a telephone pole out, knocked all electricity out in my hometown, backed up traffic. It's a pretty impressive day. How did you do that? I was being an ass, <laughs> and uh, it was raining, and I was beyond my, my talent level and uh, backed it through a field going faster than I should have been going and took a telephone pole out with the main transformer and knocked out all the power, knocked out the cable television. It's pretty ugly. Right in front of my grandmother's house. I mean, it's funny now. It wasn't funny then. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, I, we could do a whole other show on, on running out of your talent in your first car. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh-huh. uh yeah, that that's a good story. If you're going to have a story, you might as well have one like that. But a 57 Chevy. 57 Chevy. Wow. Now, I never did ask him if it was a two- or a four-door. My father had a four-door. I'm assuming it was a two-door, knowing Jeff. Mm. But it was, but as a family car, it probably was a four-door. Shoot, if, as big as those things were, mm-hmm. it didn't really matter. No, no, <laughs> not really. The windows were five and a half feet tall. Now, I said I had two more guys. Yes. No, I have, now I have two more guys. Okay. 
All right. We can't forget Dale Jr. No, of course not. All right. We know Dale Jr. had a pickup truck. Right. So uh, here's the entire story. My first car, my dad gave it to me for my 16th birthday. It was a 86 S10 pickup truck, single cab, short bed, black and silver two-tone. Nothing trick about it all. It was a stock, stock wheels, tires, but uh, I loved it. Love that truck. And when I graduated high school, I got a full-size extended cab, short bed truck. It was two-tone brown with, with no carpet, and I hated that truck. And I missed my black and silver single uh, single cab truck, S10. Yeah, I missed the hell out of that truck. I used to drive out of the used car lot where it was parked and look at it. That's a bunch of crap, ain't it? Damn daddy. <laughs> Damn daddy. Damn. Well, look, you know, that's a good truck. He got it back, didn't he? He did. He drove it in. On fan days, that's what he drove in. Yeah. And it was really cool because everybody knows that truck. And it, it was like, it, now this is uncharitable, and I'm not comparing Junior Nation to this, but it was like a zombie movie. Yeah. Because they saw the truck and they started converging. Uh huh. And you know he just went right around the back of the, <laughs> right around the back of the thing through the gates, and that was that. Does it have a specialized license tag or not? I, I didn't see. I, don't... I couldn't see for all the people. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, but you know that's really cool though. I wouldn't have my GMC back if you paid me, even if it wasn't a. a table somewhere well you could get another one uh, no a more upgraded you. version if i ever no. buy anything that uh that i want it's going to be an amx okay now i don't know where you find them now i now oh i mi- can find them for you speaking of michigan mm-hmm. i went out there a few years ago and i'm driving to the racetrack from detroit and lo and behold there's a concord grape colored javelin mm-hmm. amx mm-hmm in the front yard, right near the, the... Now, it's either a Javelin or an AMX. Right, a Javelin. They're, it was they're javelin. not the same. Right. Okay. It was a Javelin. And right. um, it was really cool, and I stopped to look at it, but it had a really dorky velour top on it. Not mm-hmm. velour, but uh, what am I thinking? Vinyl. Vinyl, thank vinyl you. top, yeah. Velour. Where did, where did that come from? That'd be, that'd be good in the weather. That's the, that's the interior. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, fuzzy dice and the whole nine yards. But, uh, you know, I would, I would like to get one of those if I ever become independently wealthy, which I don't think i will do you ever do you ever uh, play around on ebay motors i play around and it's more along the lines of wishing really yeah go to the classic car section or hemmings or mm-hmm. any number of those uh classic car uh sites you'll, you'll find it right you could find one there's a mopar magic site too that i go to uh-huh it's like car porn <laughs> pretty much <laughs> because you know you see a i would love to have an uh, like a 70 or 71 hemi barracuda oh wow of course, I don't have 250K sitting around. My favorite Mopar has got to be a 68 Charger. My brother had one of those, a drag car. Just, well, I would like to have one like the movie Bullet. Oh, God. Black Charger. Love that car. And I I probably could have one, but mm-hmm. I'd have to sell my Camaro. Right. And I just, I just can't do it. I mean, I've got, I've, got, I've got a 72 Camaro, the lime green, just like my first car. 27,000 original miles wow. on this car. <sighs> Can't do it. Ferris Bueller. Can't do it. Now, here's a trivia question for you. Who mm. did the stunt driving, besides Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. in the movie Bullet? I don't know. Carrie Lofton, stuntman. Who's that? He's the guy who did the driving in the movie Bullet. Oh, okay. Steve McQueen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Steve McQueen was a heck of a natural racer. Yeah, he was. He did a lot of the... the. Have you ever seen the movie Le Mans? Sure. See, he did a lot of the driving in that, too, mm. himself. Do you know they recently found one of the Bullet Mustangs? Really? In Mexico. 
Oh. And it was in yellow. It was painted yellow, I think. Wow. Look it up on the internet. It was I just will. it was just a month a couple months ago. That is an intense chase scene. It was not the one that he drove. It was one it was one of the stunt Mustangs. Right. They say that the bullet Mustang is somewhere in Kentucky or Tennessee, I believe, in a collector's garage. Mm. And it's somewhere. It's out there. It's not being shown to the public. Wow. I would really like that one. Got my last one here. Okay. Kevin Harvick. Kevin it's got, Harvick. It's, it's the funniest one. And uh, here, check it out. The first one I bought was an 88 Camaro. So it was uh, probably not the right car for me when I was 17, 18 years old. But that was the first car that I purchased and just completely tore the crap out of. <laughs> Whatever happened to it? I gave it to my sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know she didn't get any tickets in that car. <laughs> he tore the crap out of it and said, here, here's yeah. this. Have a car. Because I love you, here you go. <laughs> That's awesome. That was fun. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, Harvick is that kind of guy, really. I think. <laughs> No, I, mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just it, that's what that's what a lot of us would do, I think. Hand me downs. That's right. Yeah. Let's go to our featured segment, which is called "Beat the Buzzer." It's very simple. We've managed to entice the world's foremost historian on NASCAR racing, the historian for the NASCAR Hall of Fame, no less, our friend Buzz McKim, to join us each week for this segment. And as if that isn't enough, our listeners can win prizes too. Stuff. Stuff. Free stuff. We like free stuff. Yes. Ham and cheese. Yes. No, we it wouldn't go well through That's the mail, would it? It's Buzz's favorite. That's Buzz's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Buzz, welcome to Back in the Day. Oh, thank you, gentlemen. Hey, I got a question for you. Um, the, the, the prizes that go to the to the contestants, yes. uh, that's because um, we won and you guys lost. Do you have to pay for those prizes out of your pocket? I mean, no. I'd be happy to take up a collection. For no. Them. No, we do not. No. Okay. No. Because no. you'd be, uh, you'd be about sale. hip deep in that right now. <laughs> That would be a big collection. Although with all the stuff that I have in my house, my wife would probably say, get rid of some of it. Give some of that away. I mean, I've got some pretty decent stuff, but I'm not giving it away. Okay. Well, since we have a a two-part topic this week, Buzz, Mm -hmm. what was your Mm -hmm. first car? My first car was a 1959 Ford convertible. Wow. Had well, it was way cool. I got it for a hundred bucks. It had 200,000 miles on it and the right side was tore off it. So, you know, we, we refurbished the motor and uh, fixed up the right side. And uh, uh, the, the only problem was the convertible roof uh, didn't have a back window in it. I remember the one time I got to ride the hottest girl in school to uh, to school, we kind of ran out of gas uh, in the middle <laughs> of the rainstorm. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Back. So that was the end of that. <laughs> Did it have a uh, Continental kit on the back? No, 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 no. no? I, yeah, no Not that cool. It, no, well, it, yeah, that would have been cool, but man, those are, I mean, you got a Continental kit on the back. You really can't parallel park those certain things. You know? Well, that's true. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Well, give me 40 acres and I'll turn this rig around. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. <laughs> that was a pretty cool first car. Uh, exactly. Oh, I loved it. It was yeah. great car. Whatever happened to it? Well, we ended up uh, taking the engine out, believe it or not, and putting it in a race car. And uh, the thing was strong. It was a little, uh, uh, what the heck was it? It was, <laughs> it was a, uh, a, a, a 352. Right. You know, a pretty, pretty good sized engine, but very powerful. And, uh, and then the rest of it, we just kind of jumped. Hmm. Yeah. We just kind of wore it out, actually. That would have been a cool car to have today. Oh, man. I wish I had it now. Oh. Well, you know, you said the right side was missing. Was, did Denica drive it before you? Yeah. <laughs> 
Just kidding. Just oh, kidding. Dear. Yes. On uh, to the contest. On to the contest. Uh, let's set this up for you again. The week before each episode, we will put out the call for Junior Nation and Dirty Mo followers to take to the Twitter accounts at Exalta Racing and at Dirty Mo Radio and post with a hashtag back in the day and tagged with at Exalta. Buzz will represent one lucky fan and beat the buzzer against Stephen Ron, who've not won anything ever. Uh, if the buzzer <laughs> answers all three correctly, and I have to tell you, he's gonna. That one responder chosen randomly from that week's submitters will win a prize from Dirty Mo Radio or Exalta. Okay, who have we got this week? This week, we are playing for Anne Marie Elliott. All right. Good luck, Anne Marie. Well, how about that? No relation to Bill or Chase. How do you know? As far as I know. As far as we know. <laughs> All right, Steve. Yes. Let's uh, let's give Buzz his uh, shot to uh, beat us again. All right. Question number one: Who won the first NASCAR race at Michigan International Speedway? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, that was uh, one of my favorite drivers in one of my favorite cars. That was Cal Yarbrough in a Wood Brothers car. Wood Brothers car won a lot at Michigan, and oh, you are boy. correct, sir. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And a very interesting little tidbit here. The second race that was held uh, later on in 1969, it was called the Yankee 600. A little politically correct, but considering it was up in Michigan, it was going to be the only time that another Speedway had attempted to run a 600-mile race other than Charlotte Motor Speedway. Well, what happened was David Pearson won it in a home in a Moody Ford, but they got rained out after 330 miles, just over halfway. So their dream of staging a 600-mile race at Michigan never really uh, came to fruition. All right. Number two. Who was the designer of Michigan International Speedway? Oh, this is a fellow that a lot of folks may not have heard of, but he started out as the city engineer for Daytona Beach, and his name was Charlie Moneypenny. And uh, Bill France uh, took him on board when he was designing Daytona Speedway, and he told Charlie what he wanted, and Charlie designed what a lot of folks think is the most perfect track. So when it came around to uh, build uh, Michigan, which of which Bill France was not a part of, but you know Charlie had gained a reputation doing such a good job in Daytona that the folks who built Michigan uh, kind of uh, drafted Charlie to design that track too. Wow, man, I'm telling you, I, I knew with the Daytona Beach connection that Buzz was going to get that right off, but yeah. <laughs> I was hoping to slide one in. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Now, now, what is the, considered the sister track to Michigan? California, California. Ah, there you go, Fontucky, mm -hmm. Fontucky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Question number three. Which NASCAR team owner once owned Michigan? Oh, that was Mr. Penske. Too easy. Too easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and you know what happened in 1999, the International Speedway Corporation, you know, the folks, Daytona, Talladega, etc., bought out the uh, Penske Speedways, Inc., and they inherited, uh, I believe they inherited Phoenix on that deal, too. And they also took over uh, Auto Club, California Speedway. So they got, uh, oh, and um, it, it kind of added to their uh, portfolio, shall, shall we say. Right. I have a bonus question. Uh-oh. Yeah, oh, great. What's the road that runs in front of Michigan International Speedway? Oh, boy, you're good. Yeah, let me see here. I should know that. I haven't been to Michigan in a long time, though. How about... Bill France Boulevard has it. Uh, Tell him. It is US 12. 
That's the only way in, the only way out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you can age. <laughs> yes, yeah. As a matter of fact, I spent my 13th and 14th years on US-12. Yeah. Is um, that right? Without you, turning off. And you go up there enough and you get to know the back roads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can you can get all the way to the interstate from the back roads. But see, they painted the barn where we where we used to turn and we, we got lost and we got in the traffic. <laughs> isn't that isn't is that the, the first right off the main highway? Yes. Isn't that Chicago Boulevard yep. or Chicago something? Chicago Street. Street. Chicago Street. Mm-hmm. See, I haven't, I haven't been there in years and I still remember yeah. that. Well, be darned. Yeah. yeah, I remember we, uh, we had a uh, back road we used to take from Atlanta to the airport. And, uh, I mean, you swear you're going through somebody's backyard. It was the darndest thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that. Lots of backyard. Yeah. Man, you Lots. make a wrong turn, though. You can wind up, uh, you know, especially if you have a – or don't have an accent. Uh-huh. What you doing around <laughs> here, man? Can we hip you? Yeah. You, <laughs> of course, you could hear the theme song to Deliverance in the background. <laughs> you but, got such a pretty mouth. Yeah, <laughs> paddle faster. I hear banjos. Uh, <laughs> well, Buzz, you did it to us again. I tell you. Well, it's been fun as always, gentlemen, and I cannot wait till our next uh, interlude. Well, we we will we will certainly look forward to that, and I'm going to come up with some tougher questions, and we're gonna we're gonna maybe you know get into uh, relative humidity at the start of the wherever we're going to. So, <laughs> Great. just so we can get one. And congratulations to our uh, contestant this week, who yes. was Anne Marie Elliott. Anne Marie Elliott. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Now, what, what sort of thing do uh, do our uh, winners win? Actually, I mean, it's not a new Corvette or anything, right? We let them come down to the Hall of Fame. Right. We let them go into oh. your office, and oh. they get to pick and choose. What? The- <laughs> I'm sure that was in an email that I sent you. <laughs> but they can't have the ham and cheese sandwich on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's pro. Uh, you know, t-shirts and, and things like that, and and you know, stuff. Just ran- random stuff that stuff. we have. <laughs> In the prize closet. Yeah, we have a prize closet that uh, oh, is locked and hermetically sealed. And Fibber yeah, McGee is yeah. not a part of it. What was that? Fibber McGee. Oh, is Fibber not McGee. A part of it. Yeah, but Molly might be. So <laughs> that's right. That's oh right. my gosh, that's great. You're dating yourself, sir. No, oh, yes. no, I'm not. Well, who else would date me, right? <laughs> that's exactly correct. Ah, uh, just kidding. All right. Well, Buzz, thanks again. Uh, hopefully, things are going well down at the hall. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. Please come see us. We have a lot of cool stuff. And um, yeah, we just uh, voted our. Uh, on our new class, we're very excited about the, the new folks that are going in. They're going to be enshrined in January. So the exhibits team, of which I'm a part of, will be scrambling this summer looking for items, artifacts, cars, pictures. We call it job insurance. That's right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Do you have any job openings? I love looking for stuff. Oh, well, you know, maybe so. I'll keep you posted. Curator at large. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I love it. Okay. Buzz, thanks again. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, gentlemen. Take care. That's it for this episode of Back in the Day. Thanks to Buzz McKim, our resident NASCAR guru, for playing along with us again. And keep an eye on at Exalted Racing and at Dirty Mo Radio for the opportunity to play along. Remember, history is made every day, so be a part of it with Back in the Day. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Hey, I'm Justin Allgaier, driver of the Junior Motorsports number 7 Chevrolet. Racing Electronics provides the best communication equipment and technology to professional teams and drivers, and that very same technology is available in the products they offer to race fans. Visit RacingElectronics.com to learn more.